Welcome to the podcast, Two Gals and a Glass Half Full, hosted by Dr. Bobby and Dr. Jess. They are two physical therapists sharing knowledge on living a more mindful, healthy, and active lifestyle, one small step at a time. If this sparks your interest, these are your two gals. Hey there, I'm Dr. Bobby, and this is Dr. Jess. We are two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our personal glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. We love to interview others to share their knowledge about things we may not know, and other times Dr. Jess and I are sharing our knowledge and information. So make sure you hit the subscribe button below, join our free Facebook group, and follow us on Instagram to receive our latest information. As we continue the month of May looking at mental health, I'm really excited about today's guests and today's topic. But before we get started, Dr. Jess, what's in your glass? Well, I'm kind of lined up today. I've got my smoothie, I've got my coffee that I'm still working on, and my bottle of water. (laughs) So I think if it's all in my line of sight, then I'm more likely to finish all of them in a timely way. That's true. So talk to Bobby, what's in your glass? I have, I actually have two as well. So coffee and water, decaf coffee, I should say. Um, But yes, I like it. And then today we have a special guest with us, Christian, a mental health counselor. Uh, Before we go into his introduction though, Christian, what's in your glass? Thank you for having me. Um, I have my coffee, and oh. I also have my water. I have to also line it up in order to make sure I finish both of them. Exactly. We're all double fisting today. Yes. <laughs> I like it. So Christian, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Again, thank you for having me on, Dr. Bobby and Dr. Jess. Uh, my name is Christian Lanesma. I am a licensed professional counselor here at Whole Health Chicago. Uh, it is a clinic that, func- that focuses on integrative and functional health. Um, so we work from everything that has to deal with the body up to the mind. Um, so we have trigger point therapy, physical therapies going to come in soon. Uh, we have functional uh, medicine going on. So we have nurse practitioners. Uh, we have a doctor in house. We have an acupuncturist, a chiropractor. We have an apothecary. So our specialist that comes in that focuses on natural homeopathic medicines that can be alternatives to people who don't want to take the traditional medical route. Uh, but, you know, it depends on exactly what the nurse practitioner, the doctor thinks. Uh, I'm on the mental health side. We have two licensed professional counselors and a psychiatrist in-house. Uh, I just joined the team about six months ago. So getting started here, trying to help out and just get everybody back to uh, being their best selves. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that I love your that. practice sounds like it's whole, like encompasses the whole body, not just mm-hmm. physical, not just mental, you know, it's kind of looking at all sides of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we really focus on the mind-body connection. Absolutely. Yeah, and so we're talking uh, in this episode more about men's mental health and making sure that we don't discriminate against the uh, other gender and bringing all of this in, oftentimes we're we're talking about things that uh, are a little bit, can be a little bit more female focused. And so we want to make sure we're kind of reaching out to the other side, especially in Mental Health Awareness Month, because I think this is something that, again, needs as much conversation as possible. So as far as men's mental health, we're talking to somebody that knows more than we do, Christian. Um, so how prevalent are mental health disorders in men? Yeah, so that's an interesting question to ask um the numbers show from nami so national alliance of mental health um institute 
Um, so the numbers show that men tend to have less uh, mental illness occurring in them, uh, but the numbers can be skewed because men don't go in to get diagnosed with mental illness or get the assistance. So they usually go underdiagnosed, undiagnosed completely. Um, so I think the numbers that NAMI had for 2021 was like 23% of all women in America have some sort of mental illness and then 18% of men. Um, and so those numbers are pretty skewed just because men don't usually tend to go towards that mental health route. They try to keep it to themselves versus women who are more uh, open to seeking those services. And then, so with that, cause it's, I kind of see that like with my own family, with my own friends, you know, like women are more open to those conversations, but um, I know there's been a big kind of push towards mental health and mm -hmm. trying to make it more, um, oh, I don't know the word. Uh, uh, I can't think of the word, but like trying yeah, to make it more prevalent, make it more yeah. acceptable. More accessible, to go, yes. Yeah, to go get help. So have you seen an increase um, in individuals actually reaching out for help um, in the past few years? Yeah, so I think during the pandemic that we really saw a shift uh, in individuals, men and women, both seeking out services. I think during that time, just because of the culture that came out through lockdown, um, a lot of people had to kind of sit and understand what was going on internally. So we did see a rise of people seeking out services. Um, there was a big shortage of mental health practitioners out there. Um, and so there's people who are on wait lists. We did see increase of both men and women um, I think as we're getting out of the pandemic, though, we're starting to see those trends start to balance out a little bit. Uh, I think we're going back to typical where men and women tended to reach out back to what was expected in 2021. Um, so I think if the numbers, if I'm off the correct off the top of my head, it was about 51% of me females across America seek services versus 40% of males. Um, so there's a, still a big disparity there. Um, and I think we're starting to, it's a little bit more acceptable to go out and reach out for help for men, but we're still trying to counter those cultural values and societal norms that prevent men from actually seeking out those services. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think I, I've seen that as well in just friends and family. So like, as far as like being a loved one and if you're, what are different signs that you might see in a male in your life that might be struggling with some sort of mental health uh, disorder? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really dependent on what is going on and what mental um, health conditions are going on. But for the most part, if you start to notice someone in your family, uh, male, that's becoming more aggressive, um, starting to ice a little bit more, uh, a little bit more agitated, um, start participating in more risky behavior, spending more time uh, outside of home, either doing either activities or working a lot. Those are usually typical signs of individuals try going through something. Um, and I would really look out for those kinds in males. Mm -hmm. And then um, is like, how is mental health tied to like exercise, nutrition, sleep? Like, is there, uh, you know, from a male's perspective, mm -hmm. is there some that help a little bit more, some less kind of all equally important? Mm -hmm. I think I touched upon the mind-body connection, what we focus on here at Whole Health. Um, people don't recognize that what we do with the body affects the mind and what we do with the mind affects the body. So any form, you know, of mental self-care that could be, you know, um, exercise, dieting, 
socializing is good for people and individuals. Um, there are studies out there that show if we are more physically active, if we sleep more, if we eat healthily, um, it reduces our risk to develop mental health disorders. Um, exercise is a great form of, of doing that. People um, think that when we have to exercise, we have to go out and we have to run for an hour or be mobile for an hour when really as long as we're active for about 30 minutes a day that's enough to help release endorphins that help us improve our mood help us sleep better um, help increase appetite and help prevent um, help can help prevent the, the development of mental disorders and mental illness um, so exercise is great for that uh, Sleeping well is also another thing that we really need to do, getting seven to eight hours of sleep. I know that's difficult, especially this day and age where people feel like they have to work a lot. Um, but usually if our mind isn't able to rest during that REM sleep, um, we aren't able to create those neural pathways. We aren't able to um, recharge. And so if we are pushing ourselves past our limits and not getting enough sleep, that really does affect our mind um, and does affect our body as well. So we're more prevalent to developing those mental illnesses. Um, dieting as well, just to make sure we get those healthy nutrients and, you know, those vitamins and minerals to make sure that we are getting the nutrients to feed our mind and make sure it's developing and working properly. Um, it's in the month of June next month, we talk about sleep and I was doing some research and it's amazing how much sleep is tied to not only physical, but mental health as well. Um, and it's something that we so quickly and easily push aside, um, just kind of like exercise. You get busy in your day, you got mm -hmm. this, you got work, you got to run here. And those mm -hmm. are two things that quickly fall off, at least for me, fall off on my schedule. Yeah. And that's really something that people don't sacrifice first is like, I'm going to sacrifice sleep. I'm going to sacrifice my diet. Um, and they don't recognize how important both those things are. Um, just because we have to keep on moving. As long as I get some sleep, it's better than no sleep. But we get to a point where if we get very little sleep, that's almost as much as getting no sleep. And that really does affect how we function. So let's say like you've got a male in your life and you're kind of mm -hmm. noticing like, yeah, he is a little bit more withdrawn than he has been. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to have this conversation and it's like he's kind of somewhere else or mm -hmm. maybe aggressive and not, you know, wasn't aggressive before. Like what are strategies to be able to kind of bring this up in a, in a healthy manner of mm -hmm. kind of expressing concern and maybe like coming up with a little bit of a game plan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, really just being there for that person, let even know that you're willing to listen um, and to hear what is going on. Um, it's really hard to get someone to go to therapy when they don't want to, but being able to be that shoulder for them to rely on and being able to be understanding of their situation and empathetic towards them is one step towards getting them those services. Um, it's very difficult for men, from what I have seen, to even admit that there is any change. Uh, and even for a male to approach another male and say, hey, I've been noticing you've been off lately, do you want to talk about it? Um, and that's just due to those cultural and societal norms where men are expected to, to bottle everything up, to, you know, show no emotion other than aggression um, and just pretend that nothing is going on. And, and most men tend to just pretend nothing is going on. Um, so just being able to just be there and be open with them and give them the opportunity 
um, and letting them know the doors open to have that discussion. Is, it should be a great way to just have that gateway towards maybe discussing later on. Um, don't I would advise never to force someone to go to therapy um, if they don't want to. Uh, that can do more harm than good. Uh, therapy is scary. Uh, it's very hard and difficult for anyone to just be vulnerable with someone they don't know. Uh, and for men, particularly, it's very much more difficult because of the societal norms and you know cultural norms where we're expected to just hide everything. So um, leave the door open, be there for them. And if they need help, you, you know, just try to offer that help as well. Don't take on their burden as well. That's not your responsibility, but just be there to support them and be willing to help when it is necessary. Yeah, and I think like since we know exercise, diet, and uh, sleep are all super important and helpful, it like from what I've tried in the past is like, hey, can you join me for a bike ride? Uh, mm -hmm. Can you, you know, I go every you know, Monday night, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so just kind of having like whatever my routine already is, I'll kind of invite whoever that might be in uh, mm -hmm. or like, hey, this has helped me. Like maybe this could help you. Something that doesn't even seem mental health related, mm -hmm. right? Because <laughs> uh, sometimes if it's like, you're like putting that lens onto it, it's like, oh, you think I'm crazy? No, like, no, there's like such a different connotation to what we're trying to talk about here with the health, mental health. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean crazy. That's that's very different. And and I think that's a, like trying to break that misnomer. Like I've kind of sometimes just said like, like I really would like to have a running partner. Like, could you join me? That would help me. Because it's true. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I would prefer to run with somebody, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so um, those are just like strategies that I've tried in the past with different people. And um, and I think sometimes it can be helpful to realize, oh, I can work this into my routine. Oh, I can, you know, these are different things that I could implement. And then all of a sudden it becomes, it becomes a new habit. And then with that, then, then sometimes you can get the ball rolling with more conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I think you touched upon something there where it's, you know, when people think, oh, I have some issues and I need to go see a therapist or, you know, my mental health isn't great. They jump to the conclusion like, oh, I'm crazy. You're all you think I'm crazy. Right. Um, and that's just a stigma going on with what's developed throughout the years. It's, oh, if you're going to see a counselor, if you're going to go see a psychiatrist, then there must be something really wrong with you. Um, that's... When that's just not the case, people go to therapy for many different reasons. Um, and just because you want to go seek service, it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that you're going through a rough time and may need some help to get through it. Right. That's Dr. Jessenar, very big on preventative. And mm -hmm. even in the physical therapy world, it's very reactive where you have an injury, you go to therapy instead of looking at it as a preventative, like, Hey, if I go once a month, like my body can stay, I can run these marathons. I can do this, that, you know, just like, and I feel like mental health should be in that same category, you know, like mm -hmm. it is something you do proactive just to keep your body healthy, just like everything else that we do, um, <laughs> you know, just showering every day to keep your hygiene, you know, it's just like preventative type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's preventative. Um, and I think also as like physical therapy, it's a lot of work. Um, there will be days where you go in and you come out feeling super drained and just exhausted. 
exhausted. I think for a lot of people, that's also very scary. And, and for males particularly, where we have to be vulnerable and they might not be comfortable or ever been vulnerable with anybody. So for them to go in there and to be pushed into that, you know, the area of their mind, um, they might be turned off and not want to go back just because they've, they've never felt that with another person. Um, and it's just scary. So it's, it's a lot of work. Um, it takes a lot of effort and people don't, I think, realize as well. It's like, if you only come in for an hour, a lot of the work's done outside. And so it's like, oh gosh, I have homework now. Like, I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. And then but I think the, uh, the biggest thing is when you're uncomfortable, that's when you grow. Like mm -hmm. every single time I'm like, so uncomfortable with something. I'm like, why do I put myself in this situation? Mm -hmm. But then once I get through that, that phase of being very uncomfortable because I'm just uh, being uncomfortable just means you're being challenged mm -hmm. so that's not a bad thing and like in my mind what I do is I think if I want to build more muscle I challenge it with weight and that makes sense it's hard I'm used to that kind of mentality of like oh like I do a hard workout and then I feel stronger so on the flip side, why do we run away when something in our mental world is challenging? It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's bad. It's I'm being attacked. I'm being accused. Like we have all of these words that come in when really, as long as it's in a constructive manner, okay, you might actually mm -hmm. be being attacked like that. That would be an unhealthy relationship. Um, but like if it's in a structured environment and you're being challenged and it's hard, you're probably right where you need to be. Like that's mm -hmm. exactly where you need to be because it's hitting your weak point. And that's the only way you're going to get that weak point stronger is to work through whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's so easy to think about that from like a physical health standpoint, but then like mental health, it's like run away, uncomfortable. Ah, <laughs> and like, really? No, you're right where you should be. Just stay on it. Keep the path. You will get through it. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh my gosh. I'm like so much better than I ever was before. This is amazing. I can now am way more prepared to tackle the next challenges that are going to come my way because there's more challenges coming always. It's called life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I, when my clients come in, I usually let them know that, you know, you will feel uncomfortable at times here. There will be some discomfort that is okay. Um, it's, I let them take the wheels well. You know, if you ever get to the point where you feel super uncomfortable, you feel something is triggering, you're not really quite ready to get there, please let me know. I We won't have to touch on that if you don't want to. We will address it when you're ready. And I think that's what separates a therapist from a great therapist is that willingness to work with you and be empathetic, understanding of where your limits are. Because um, probably just like with physical therapy, you're not going to go straight and be like, all right, let's go make you do all these exercises and make you. <laughs> feel super uncomfortable you work up to that um it's the same thing with therapy and i think that's what people don't recognize is we're not going to push you into those traumatic experiences and reliving everything that felt terrible at that moment we're going to tiptoe our way down there we might feel some regret and that's okay if we regress a little bit we'll work up those skills again to try to get you to that point where we can continue um you know making that discomfort feel a little bit more comfortable continue processing and understanding exactly what's going on and, and what has been triggering in that situation. For someone that's maybe never been to therapy in male or female, and they're thinking about going or encouraging a loved one, 
what are some things, and I know it's very different dependent on the therapist, dependent on like what needs to be worked on, but what are some things someone can expect like their first visit? You know, they're already nervous. They don't know what's going to happen. What can they expect to kind of go on in a good session on that first visit? Yeah, that first visit is always the most difficult visit because that's the intake. Um, There's not one set way to do an intake, so it's really difficult to tell you exactly what's going on. And that's just because of the way, you know, licensing is in different states. Everyone has different expectations. Uh, For the most part, the way I carry it through and what I've seen for most therapists and what I've been taught is the first session is the intake. So there's going to be a lot of questions. We're trying to get a lot of history just to build an understanding of who you are as a person, how was your childhood, how do you interact with other people, how's work affecting you, how are different aspects of your life affecting you, trying to just get more of a picture of then what is written on that intake when we get on the hall, we want to get to know you as a whole person. Um, So that first intake might feel very daunting, might feel very draining, might feel very uncomfortable, and again, that's when if you have a great therapist, they'll let you know, it's like, hey, if you ever feel like we're asking too much, please let me know. We can stop asking these questions. We can just focus on being people, sitting across from each other and getting to understand each other a little bit more. I want to get to know you. You want to get to know me. So please feel free to ask me any questions that will feel make you feel more comfortable in this space. Because ultimately our goal is to just make this space safe, comfortable, and empowering. So we will make the space whatever you need it to be to be proactive. Yeah, I think that's I think that's helpful because it's as long as the environment I think is it's structured for the individual, like mm-hmm. it'll work. It's it's when you try and do this like one size fits all approach that it that that just doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. I have depression, therefore I take this medication and I run like that <laughs> okay uh but like <laughs> I, I think there's so many different uh reasons for the why and mm-hmm. why does something happen and so working with an individual that can respect you and respect how much to push you but how much to, to you know dial it back is mm-hmm. is going to be like i mean so key to finding that that balance um so what are like as far as like from a, from a patient's perspective, Mm -hmm. and let's say like someone's trying to like communicate and is feeling like maybe they're not in a space where they're feeling heard. Um, Mm -hmm. So how, like how many sessions do, would you suggest that they try to really give it a good go? And then if Mm -hmm. they're just not, it just doesn't feel good, like Mm -hmm. then maybe try somebody else. Cause it like, it's again, like there's, there's going to be times when you work well with somebody and times when you don't. And so I've had so many people that have come into my clinic and they're like, I tried, like I tried four or five sessions and I'm just not feeling it with this person. I'm like, well, don't quit mental health counseling, like look for somebody else. So like, it's okay. And then normally, man, that second time they're like, oh my gosh, so much better. So like, What's like, how many, like, how long should someone give it a good go before they're like, maybe I just need a different therapist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. A great point. Um, one bad experience with one bad therapist can really set people off from seeking therapy services in general, like yes, for the rest of their life. And I've had a lot of people come in. It's like, you know, I've been with many therapists. I've always never felt validated. I feel like they've listened. And so for me to even be here is a big deal. And if this doesn't work, then I'm just going to go back and pretend like nothing's happening. Um, 
which is really sad to hear. Um, so when you go in, you know, there's people who have gut feelings like, oh, this isn't going to be a good fit. You can tell off right off the bat, like we're not connecting, you know, it doesn't seem like it's flowing. Um, maybe it's not exactly what I expected. Um, I want to meet someone who is, you know, person of color, trans affirming, um, meeting all these different criteria, which is perfectly fine. You you want to have that person who you feel you're going to connect with. So you, if you have this checklist of what you want your counselor to be, look up for that counselor. Um, there might be unicorns out there just because of the area you're in, but for the most part, you will find someone who will meet at least some of those boxes, if not most. Um, so if in the first session you go in and you don't feel like it's working, that's okay to feel that way. You can try to give it another shot. Usually the second session is a little bit more comfortable because you're just talking, have that conversation, trying to get to know each other a little bit more. If after about two, three sessions, you start to feel like this isn't really going anywhere, I don't really feel comfortable with that person, it's okay to say, I'm done. Let the therapist know, you know, this isn't really working. For the most part, if it's a great therapist, again, they'll understand. They won't force you to stay in therapy. We're here to make sure that you're going through a productive journey to get to be the best version of yourself. And for my clients, if they don't feel like we're connecting, if it's not working out, I will go out and find referrals. I will refer you to a therapist who meets your criteria, who I feel like you will be able to connect with better. Um, it's not, I'm not trying to compete with anybody. I'm trying to make sure that you are getting the services you need so you can feel better and be the best version of yourself. Yeah, I think that's key. It's, it's okay to try more than one provider. Mm -hmm. It's okay. That's actually kind of normal. It really yeah. is. So yeah, don't get discouraged. Uh, mm -hmm. So Christian, thank you so much for coming on today. We really, really appreciate it. And I think it's a conversation that obviously Dr. Bobby and I are very passionate about with mental health and just raising the awareness for how important it is to have open conversations and really support each other. And so we can kind of help shed light on the services that are available. So our challenge for this week is to really think about those three things that we talked about. So we've got nutrition, exercise and uh, sleep. And so maybe just think about one of those three things and ways that you might be able to implement one of those in a little bit of a better way and encourage somebody in your life to join you in that journey. So hopefully you'll see some success with that and uh, make sure to follow along. All right, everybody. Thank you for having me on, guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you would like to learn more about how Two Gals can support you, then join our Two Gals Insiders membership, which can be found at www.2-gals.com. Also, don't forget, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Okay, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your week.